taken over the station to take over the airwaves. Today I'm talking about the 1994 comedy Airheads. This is Scott Seth Indulgent Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott's self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i am talking about a probably underseen not very well known 90s comedy featuring brendan Fraser and a couple of other uh key people called airheads and it's very much uh it's very much a movie it's trying to get in touch with grunge and kind of capitalize off the wayne's world energy and it doesn't quite it doesn't quite succeed i think it has bits and pieces but i have an affection for it because it's one of those movies i discovered on like comedy central growing up so yeah and uh revisited it and it's there are elements to it that work and there's one big one that doesn't so without further ado let's get started When people get nostalgic for an older era, usually when they are growing up, it has a lot to do with the general feeling versus anything that actually happened. For instance, it's a lot easier to be nostalgic about the 80s when you imagine synth-pop, VHS tapes, and a bunch of cartoons that still exist, versus the destruction of unions via the federal government, the AIDS crisis, and multiple financial crashes. For me, I get nostalgic for certain eras in movies, not because every movie from that era was a gem, but because in certain eras, studios seem to give more movies a shot. For instance, a comedy with an up-and-coming star named Brendan Fraser as a wannabe grunge musician paired with a collection of great character actors and SNL standouts, which they called Airheads. Fraser plays Chaz, the lead singer and guitarist for a rock band called The Lone Rangers, but things aren't going well for Chaz or the band. His girlfriend just left him because he's behind on his share of the rent, again, and he can't get a single studio head to talk to him or listen to the band's demo. Hoping to get airplay at the biggest radio show in town, Chaz and his bandmates break into the station and try to get the station's biggest host to play their single. However, things go to hell in a hurry when the band refuses to leave without playing their song and pull out squirt guns that look like Uzis. Not a bad si- now a bad situation has turned into a hostage situation that the Lone Rangers are not equipped to handle. So, I can't say this movie is good. It is dated and bad for reasons that should have been obvious at the time, that are only more glaring now, which I will get into. However, I do miss the light-hearted PG-13 vibe of it all. Nowadays, it seems like almost no feature-length movies that make it to theaters maintain the silly, don't-take-this-too-seriously vibe that emanated from so many 90s comedies. For reference, try to think of another movie in recent memory that went with Barb and Star's vibe. It'll take you a while. And there are some endearing qualities in and around the big problem, which we will get to. One of the appealing elements is the perfect cast. In terms of a bunch of 90s actors you could throw into this thing, Airheads is surprisingly well cast. Brendan Fraser is perfectly suited to playing the former nerd-turned-rebel Chaz, whose ups and downs are paired well with Steve Buscemi's acerbic retorts, and Adam Sandler playing things down? Holy shit, it's been a while there, huh? But the cast is also peppered with a bunch of character actors going for broke or playing perfectly to their type, including Chris Farley as an overzealous new policeman, Michael Richards of all people playing a record exec who buys into the hostage hype despite being inside the station, Joe Montaigne as our celebrity DJ, and Michael McKean as our douchey ponytailed station head, and Ernie Hudson as our very calm, very reasonable police chief who's just working with a bunch of idiots. Hell, even David Arquette and Harold Ramis show up here. 
Even if the script has a bunch of cringy moments, this cast provides a number of solid laughs by screen presence alone. There's also twinges of great music industry commentary. It's been well established in almost every movie, show, or documentary that you've seen about the music industry that said industry has a bad history of blatant corruption, i.e. pay-for-play scandals, an emphasis on image over the music, and buying into the hype. While it isn't a full send-up of the music industry at large and the alt-rock scene, especially in the 90s, there are bits and pieces that ring true. Pisses, Jesus. Everything with Judd Nelson's record executive is perfect, from how he talks out of both sides of his mouth and seemingly only wants to sign the Lone Rangers to save his personal brand image when he hasn't even heard the music yet. That combined with bits about sussing out a cop based on who he sided with in the David Lee Roth and Van Halen split, or hearing the band describe their music as power slop, or not seeing the contradiction in their name, are all great for anyone who's listened to as much grunge as I have. It's also very funny to watch a policeman try to use Chaz used to play D&D and be a dork as a giant detractor after tabletop games like D&D have exploded in recent memory, because boy, I have got some YouTube channels for you. But now we have to get to the big problem. The big problem is the main premise. The notion, the notion of a hostage situation with three allegedly armed men who want their time to shine played for laughs does not work in a modern context, at least not with this tone. The movie is playing things very light, because the audience knows the guns aren't real the entire time, and the hostages find this out as well. However, with so many real-world examples of how this can and does go down, playing it like a band-centered cousin of Wayne's World with a lot of emphasis on physical comedy gags feels really off. For instance, numerous children of color have been gunned down for playing with toy guns. If... If anything, it would be better as a black comedy where the band are completely obvious to the fact that uh, completely oblivious to the impact that they're having on other people and buy into their own hype, aka we're as rock and roll as our music says we are. Granted, that movie also likely ends with them dying via a one-sided shootout with police while the rector goes platinum, but still. And that's before we get into the messy attempts at commentary via the overzealous SWAT team leader or how the band starts chanting Rodney King to Ernie Hudson's black police officer. We're four years removed from the riots about police brutality, and the, music, and the movie uses it as an ironic punchline and casually uses police overreacting to a black man escaping his fake hostage situation as a joke as well. Kinda yikes! I obviously didn't think any, don't think anyone involved has any ill intentions, I just think that they were oblivious to how this could and would come across in years to come. I have some affection for this movie, thanks to the people involved and little nuggets like the Motorhead track that plays over the fun opening credits, but generally speaking, there's a reason this one hasn't stuck around. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.